Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Bill, we are excited today. I'm excited. We're ready to go. We're bringing you uh, another episode, and uh, we're very excited about our guests. Yes. If you're new to the show or you're a longtime listener, you can find us online at guystellingstories.com. And we'd really appreciate you checking us out on social media. You can head over to Guys Telling Stories on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a like, follow us, and we're on Twitter, too, at Guys Tell Stories. Nice job. Thanks, Bill. I've been practicing. <laughs> now, let's get right to it, though. Our guest for today is John Gavigan. Bill, he's one, one heck of a guy. He's got some really good stories. Super interesting. 43 North is the name of his current project. Yeah, he is working as di- executive director of 43 North, and it is a really, really, really cool company. They're in their third year. It's like Oprah. What do you mean? Just give things away. Here's money. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Well, if you basically Bill's right. They give away $5 million through the world's largest, the planet's largest startup competition mm-hmm. every single year. And they just recently kicked off their third year. So John invited us to come to their incubator space, which honestly... It's going to be a huddle house. Yeah, well, it's going to be bigger than a huddle room or house. I got a feeling we're going to see some glass windows, maybe some ping pong tables. There's going to be some, uh, a lot of, uh, what do you call those things you draw on with the whiteboards? A lot of whiteboards. Lots of whiteboards, yeah. It's a very modern space. And what they offer, in addition to prize money, if you are a company, a startup, who submits an application, is they offer that incubation space. Mm -hmm. They offer mentorship. And you get to come and bring your business to the city of Buffalo, New York for, for one year to, to work alongside the 43 North crew. I'm excited. Yeah, I got to submit my business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody out there should. So what we're going to do is uh, pack this stuff up, head on over and do an interview. But uh, stick around for a special announcement at the end of this episode because uh, Bill and I got something we want to share with you. We do? We sure do. All right. Okay. All right. Let's head on over. Welcome to a fantastic episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And we are thrilled to have an amazing guest today, John Gavigan. John, thanks for doing the show. I'm super psyched, Guys Telling Stories. I, I will be here for at least three or four hours, so oh. it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's what, I'm, that's what I was thinking. You know, every time we do these, uh, we do these interviews, it, it turns out to be, you know, wherever you want to take it. So we always say, bring us back to the beginning. Whether it was your first business, or, I mean, you, t- you can tell us about the lemonade stand you had when you were 12. So I mean. <laughs> Man, the lemonade stand. I don't know if you actually had the lemonade stand. We, we bypassed lemonade completely. We used to go down to this drugstore called Peterson's Drugs, and my buddies and I used to go down and strike a deal with the proprietor for like a batch of candy and then come back and set up a stand and sell all the you know the candy at like a 20% markup so they didn't have to walk <laughs> down to the store and this was when we were probably in kindergarten to like second grade what a smart right idea. I, I but I will tell you we lost our kids <laughs> um, you know, we didn't really realize that the time it took to get down there actually cost money, right? So we didn't really factor in our time. So we had a terrible pricing model. And we saw a squirrel get hit by a car on one of our <laughs> times. So what I realized at that point, and the, and the dead squirrel came floating around on the side of the road, oh, and then it scared all the customers away. So what we first realized at like 10 or 11 was that external factors 
can actually play a role that you don't have control over uh, can actually play a role in, the, in a business's success. But really, where I got my really where I got my start is I grew up in a family business, uh, you know, that my okay. parents had for for years. I want to say it dates back to maybe the early '80s. It was called Tom's Food and Sports Services, and and that business was really uh, more around. Um, it, it's kind of like a mini De- Delaware North. We had concession stands, right, at hockey rinks and golf courses, et cetera. So yeah, we yeah. owned all the carts and the candy and the stands and, you know, and all the apparel and stuff like that. We'd, we'd sell out of these stands, cook hamburgers and hot dogs, sell beer, whatever. That's kind of cool. Very cool. And I, you know, we, we started in that business early. And, and so I, but the, the beauty of it was that we had maybe about 30 employees at one point. And I watched how my father interacted with, you know, our supply chain and, and customers and, and watched him, you know, handle problems and manage the books and what it took in the background at home making sandwiches and preparing for the next day's uh, business. I watched what it was like to really be an entrepreneur and, um, and, I, and I loved it, you know. Yeah. It was cool. In fact, I had a propensity for math, so my father had me doing accounting uh, and all the payroll from the time I was 13 years old, and I'd sit down and, and do it. And even if I was doing homework or being late, you know, with whatever activities I had in school, you know, I still managed to find time to run a right. small portion of the business. Um, those experiences actually uh, helped my brother and me become entrepreneurs later on in life. And, uh, you know, did a stint out west and you know after college did a stint out west and and then came home and and eventually you know navigated into really a sales and marketing career through xerox that lasted you know almost two decades really okay Uh, yep lasted uh, almost two decades and during that time uh to complement or to supplement income and I guess more of a, an innate desire to be my own boss. We opened up a series of companies inside that that time. So while I was working for Xerox on the side, you know, we had a uh, distribution company for calendars called the Discover Ni- Buffalo Niagara uh, Calendar yeah. Publication. So yeah, I've we heard started of it. that yeah. in 1999. Uh, uh, we started a uh, interior design company in 2002 called Eden Interiors. Uh, that was managed by uh, my wife. And and then that spun into a small real estate portfolio that we used to house some of the businesses that we were creating. And then in 2005, I partnered with a guy in, in Rochester uh, to open up a new division of an existing uh, office supply company called uh, Xerographic Solutions. And and that was probably the more the most formidable experience I had with a startup. So 20 know. years in, I'm counting full-time job, got married, started up three different successful businesses, and then the formative years started then, with, with another venture. I often tell my em- employees it's all about the inputs. You know, um, I tell my, actually my children probably most importantly that it's all about the inputs uh, outputs will eventually take care of themselves. And while you want to keep your eyes on the finish line and where you want to go, it should be driven by your core values and what you, how you define a fulfilling life will eventually guide you into the inputs and decisions that you make today. I wanted, okay, yeah. I wanted freedom. I wanted to be my own boss. I love to coach. I love to lead. Uh, but I also love to listen. I love to work with people. I love people. 
and I always wanted to surround myself with experiences that would ultimately lead to those uh, fulfilling, uh, you know, those fulfilling uh, ideals in my life. So kind of cool. And then, uh, you know, we sold uh, XSI, Zero Graphic Solutions, after working on that business for about six years. Um, super tough, man. I, I remember I was taking my MBA. I had just graduated with my MBA. Had two new kids, bought a new home. Um, family is always number one on my priority list. So it's like every night, you know, between eight and midnight, eight to one in the morning, I would be working on this business for years and trying to build out the plans. I was the architect. My partner was the visionary. I was the architect. Okay. And then we combined our skills to create new divisions in XSI. I would be working on the business constantly, um, but being also very present for my family at the times that uh, you know that, that that we could, or at least attempting to be, and um, and eventually we sold that company to a division in zero of Xerox in 2011, and eventually I just worked for that company for a number of years. You know, I'm listening to this, and we have this lifetime of family business, and we've talked to other people who have these family businesses, and sometimes, you know, they they try to take it to that next level, but you kind of branch out on your own and not only started you know one business or two businesses you started this one business that was so successful you're able to have someone else buy it from you was that something that from day one was kind of in the cards for you here's where the disconnect was that was certainly on my partner's mind who was maybe 10 or 11 years my senior okay my intent really at the time was to buy the the his shares out and be the person to buy the rest of the company. Oh, wow. Okay. And then scale it again from there. So you have to be careful how, even though I learned a tremendous amount, we both learned so much from each other, the grand vision, the exit strategy, I can now reflect back and say that we weren't necessarily aligned. There's a lot of things that I probably would have done differently to scale the business that much more and continue to increase the value in that business because I knew it so intimately. And uh, but but we were different, and 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 so he was closer to retirement than I was. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been doing it for longer than I was. Right. You get I going to get that out of this business. I mean, you go through that a lot, right? Sure. Um, but I had a lot of runway left in me, and, and and while we did well, and it was great, and and I'm 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 happy for the experience of having exited a business. Um, I felt like I left a lot of chips on the table by not being ultimately the one to buy the business. Yeah. But nevertheless, great business or great a great learning experience, um, and but it also gave me the appreciation and empathy for entrepreneurs that really have to go through these journeys because it's a ton of work. It's a labor of love in a lot of ways. Uh, you sacrifice income opportunities in the short term for long term vision. You know, you you burn a lot of hours. You, but also the the pain. My friend used to say that going to West Point was a great place to come from, but not always the easiest place to go through. And it's the same way yeah. for a lot of entrepreneurs. It, it at times can be a great struggle. Besides your family, anyone else encourage you to to take that path to go in that direction? No, I my dad was like, go be an accountant, right? There'll always really? be room for accountants. <laughs> yeah, it's a little stable that way, yeah. It's, I've since realized that really the true great profession is in sales. Like, you, you're going to need great salespeople with high integrity. So if you can learn how to communicate, I mean, whether or not you're a banker, an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, you have to sell the services 
that you're providing and have been trained for. And so you may be the greatest accountant in the world, but if you can't have a client on the other end, then your skills are not optimized. And uh, so I actually realized in a short period of time that uh, I wanted to be somewhat affiliated or, or close and tied to uh, the sales and revenue generating process of a business and really define that skill uh, primarily. And, and I encourage people to, to nurture that, even if it's not... Um, you know, like normal for them or easy to, for to them like or authentic to them. They got to. They have to learn how to communicate. And if you don't, um, you know, that's your 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 business eventually might might yeah. suffer. And if you can't do that, then you have to align yourself with somebody who can. Yeah. Do you think it's something? Question to both of you guys. Do you think sales is something that can be taught and learned? You know, because I bet you there's that charismatic guy that walks into the room. Gets everybody's attention, head turns, and people want to talk to him. Might there's be easier this, to buy yeah. something from him, but can those people out there that are nervous or they go, oh, I hate picking up the phone. I, I don't like looking people in the eye. Can you learn those skills? Like you said, even if it doesn't come natural. It's guys- confidence. It's confidence and, and faith that whatever you're selling is, is going to to work. Okay. And uh, and if you're confident that you have a good product, it should be no problem selling it. Um, it's when you waver and you're not sure and you're scared to try things. That's what that's what I see when when uh, when things aren't successful it's usually it's not always the product sometimes it's your confidence yeah i think the confidence sometimes comes with success and experience john what do you think i think it is absolutely a learnable skill but it also starts with with values um i love bill's point about you know you need the confidence to do it but on on, and on the on the same side of the coin you need the integrity to do it well so people that are "Quote unquote natural born salesmen mean that you know they're the person that everybody wants to talk to in the room, but it doesn't necessarily mean that what they're selling is of value. True, and and a, a lot of people don't necessarily even approach it through uh, when you're when you're selling something that it needs to be meaningful to you and valuable to you, and at the same point, I need to earn a living to do it. I need to support my family. I need to pay my mortgage. I need to." create value for myself. It's a mutually benefit. It should be a mutually beneficial relationship. And once people pivot from that, that's where you run into problems. And it's tough to find great. There's a lot of salespeople out there, but there are very few great salespeople out there. Um, So it combines integrity. Bill mentioned confidence. um, And then somebody with the willingness and the discipline to continue to do the same things on a routine basis, meaning you have to get on the phone and call people. You have to send out the emails. You have to do your prospecting. You have to have the stones enough to actually close the deal when the time is appropriate. Okay. You need those things. And unless you practice them, generally they're not skills that you'll develop. You need to do it. You know, when it comes time to close a deal, do you think do you feel like people in the beginning are afraid to to like ask for what they're worth? And I don't mean financially, but just they know their value in that mutual relationship, and maybe they're going to hedge a little bit or they're going to undercut themselves. Absolutely brilliant question, and I can't believe I've never been asked this question before. And the answer is yes. And if you don't, let me put it this way: your value isn't very. No one will define the value of you more than you. Okay. So unless you go into it understanding that and believing, not understanding, but just believing, like Bill said, you know, confidence, having the confidence to know your value, then you go into a potential negotiation uh, undervalued and compromised. Yeah. 
you know, and, and for the people out there listening, take that to heart because it could just be somebody that's looking to take a different job. Maybe the companies are merging and you have these prospects out there. But, you know, I was thinking what we're doing, Bill, you know, to, to spread these episodes, I'm just offering them for free. I mean, they are free, but I'm messaging people in California. We, I messaged a university in Australia. Hey, we have someone who is related to you. Would you like to share it? And we get a lot of no replies. We get a lot of no's. But thinking ahead to the future, you hear about these other shows that can charge for a premium episode. They, they do these live events. And when it comes time for us to maybe take on a sponsor or to, you know, sell those tickets. We oh, got a live a, event. I cannot wait. <laughs> we got to know our value, too, is what I'm saying. It, well, I definitely know my value um, or I'm far more understanding of my value. Um, so I, I think we negotiated a rate with your producer. That this interview was about five grand. <laughs> about 5000 yeah, that's and right. And that was for a 10-minute interview. So, this I mean, is our last episode. This is our last episode. <laughs> we just blew the bank. Yeah, we blew it. Uh, and it's payable over 30 years, you know, <laughs> incremental payments. Well, it's not free, though, you know, because you're getting people to invest time you're out of their right. schedule mm-hmm. and the opportunity to do something else. So it while there may be no financial arrangement in this um, there is a resource arrangement in this and that means that you spent the time enough to go out and find hopefully people that are of interesting value and then you're hoping or planning for uh, you know a community of people to listen to the types of information that you're bringing to them. So there is an exchange there. It just happens to be a different resource other than money. Yeah, no, it's it's valuable. They, you know, the feedback we've been getting to build, I know we've been surprised about this too, but it is, you know, we have some people that listen in California. I think maybe they just like podcasts. So they're going to hear you. They're going to look up the company and they're going to go, wait a second, you know, what, what, what's, what's this 43 North all about if, they, if they're new to the game? So, you know, maybe we could uh, get into that a little bit too. Um, yeah. You know, one of the more interesting things that I think people are going to find is that you are an executive director of uh, a company that actually gives away money and helps other companies. And so, you know, if you want to fast forward a little bit in time, how'd you get to the point to where you're taking over this company to help them help other companies? So I'll just give you a quick uh, recap on on 43 North or or big picture. Yeah. We run the largest startup competition on the planet. Right. Annually, we award $5 million in investments to approximately 10, 10 companies uh, from around the world. We bring them to Buffalo for one year of incubation right here on the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus and provide them mentorship services both for quality of life and business that really helps them optimize their business in the time that we spend with them during the course of the year. Some of our companies have enjoyed the, the, the Buffalo market so much that they uh, have elected to actually stay and and you know move uh, a portion of all of their businesses to uh, the Buffalo area just because the assets are such that right. it helps them nurture their businesses on a more fruitful way uh, for a longer term basis, which is which is wonderful news. It means that we're doing a, a good job. So we're about to launch our third competition, and and again we're going to be giving five million dollars away. Our initial investment is about a half a million dollars and scales up to a grand prize winner of one. Uh, million dollars 
and, and so it's an amazing, amazing yeah. experience. And it's really yeah. cool to see this exciting, the world's largest of something, right? This fun, this cool, this type of vibe and energy, um, you know, uh, really take place here. And it's amazing to me how many business leaders and how much the community leaders have offered their assistance, be it volunteers, judging, uh, you know, the companies that filter through the process, um, time at any of our events, uh, investments into some of these companies, uh, you name it, or to serve as a local advisor to these teams to help them accelerate. Unbelievable the amount of outreach uh, from, from this community. Couldn't be prouder. Yeah. And uh, last year, though, we had uh, 11,000 uh, applicants from 117 countries. Wow. Um, this year, we're changing our application process a little bit to really scale down you know, the, the quantity of numbers and really just focus on, on, on the best of the best filtering through the process. So we, we've made some modifications this year uh, to our process that hopefully uh, will yield uh, the best, let's call it, you know, eight companies on stage at the end of the year. Yeah, you know, my personal story was my wife had a birthday party. I went to the Buffalo Riverworks just to make sure that everything was set for her party. And I walk in, and just to describe to you what I see, I see a bunch of people on bleachers. Some of them had construction worker hats on. Yep. There was this stage. I think I recognized a couple of the judges from other podcasts, from TV shows, and they were doing pitches for their company. And just in checking in with the waitress for myself and making sure the party was good, I probably heard about two or three of them. And I realized it was in the center of something like much cooler than what you know I had planned for a Saturday party. So I took a couple of pictures. And for those of you, again, that are new to this company and this process, it is something very similar to, and I've heard it described like this before, like a Shark Tank pitch at the end yep. where you need to bring it in a certain amount of time and you need to be able to defend your company, answer questions about it. And think, think about how exciting this is. So this whole process that starts on March 4th, the application period goes to May 30th. From there, we go right into the judging of however many companies apply to the competition. From that, we then go back and then re, you know, ask clarifying questions of these companies, bring them in to do video pitches in front of a panel of judges and investors, you know, a portion with a pitch deck and the whole thing. And then we judge down to like the semifinals and the semifinals go, right? And so we, it all crescendos, the whole year crescendos to the 43 North week in Buffalo, New York, starting on uh, the 21st of October, starts with a startup grind, goes through a startup weekend uh, with students, then goes into, uh, you know, MWBE events and, and other pitch events throughout the course of the 43 North week that ultimately lands to the finals where eight companies pitch for a million bucks and they do it in front of thousands of people yeah. at Shea's Theater, right? Yeah. Celebrity judges like the, the best of the best, right? Judging them, best and best. And you want to talk about drama. Yeah. Unreal, man. Sounds like First we're about all, to get into If you've summer. ever said anything in front of 2,000 or 3,000 people, you know, you know that your heart's racing, your eyes are beginning to water, you can't remember your middle name, <laughs> you know, and they're all dealing with it. Am I right, Bill? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's happened to me. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's very hard. intense, very drama. Like you said, Shark Tank, but it's Shark Tank live in front of thousands of people, right. televised the whole thing. So you got to bring your A game. But it's so cool, right? It's it really so was, yeah. exciting because they know that there's an end game, right? They're gonna they're com they're battling for a million bucks. Super dramatic, super cool. And every single one of our teams, our winners, have said that their lives are absolutely richer for the experience. Yeah. 
Um, talking about putting yourself out there, man. I mean, just unbelievable. And, and the, I, I respect them so much because imagine how challenging that would be to watch people pace up and down the hallways in the back rooms, you know, because they're just literally going, I, I, all I need to do is remember my first name and I'll be good to go from there. Right, right, right. But to watch them actually go through it and be courageous enough to make themselves vulnerable in front of all those people and then to go pitch something that they believe in so much to go out and try to earn money to accelerate their business could not be a cooler uh, experience. What you saw, by the way, yeah, yeah, Rich, it sounds like I might have seen like something because else. 43 North has had such a, I'll, I'll call it meteoric rise in attention, not just in Buffalo, but on the global startup scene. Yeah. Okay. Steve Case, do you know who Steve Case is? Yeah. The founder of AOL. Yeah. He runs a competition called Rise of the Rest. Okay. Which eight companies pitch in emerging ecosystems. They selected Buffalo as one of the five cities. Is that what it was? Okay, so okay. Eight My companies mistake. Yeah. came in. But that that's amazing, isn't it? That Steve Case brought Rise of the Rest and his revolution uh, venture capital firm to Buffalo, New York. I think we had 800 people. Uh, then we helped them organize it here in, in Western New oh, York. that's great. And they came in and eight companies pitched for a $100,000 award. And they liked two companies so much that they actually made two one hundred thousand dollar investment. So we actually ended up with two out of our out of our ecosystem, which was really exciting. But those things would have never happened unless, right, we're getting great branding and the New York Times articles and the Katie Couric interviews, and it's like the branding and the marketing kind of you know exploded enough where people took note. And Steve Case uh, decided to make uh, Buffalo one of uh, you know his his stops on his tour. Yeah, you ever here before? Excuse me? Steve Case ever in Buffalo before this? I don't think he was ever in Buffalo. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Could not believe it. And, and Riverworks was like a perfect, uh, you know, just like a perfect It was super backdrop. exciting. The energy yeah. was like off the charts. And I'm just, you know, I'm just there well, to gotta check. Come the, in, you got to come on the on Thursday the 27th. You're not going to. No, it, Bill just wrote it down. I, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're interested in, in putting in an application, you know, go check out the process. So, you know, one of the things that we always like to uh, listen to is, is those challenges and obstacles, maybe even a failure or defeat. So if we bring it back around to you, you know, right around the time you're connecting with 43 North and you're learning about everything, uh, you know, maybe you can tell us how you how you got connected. But, you know, along the way, too, if you had an obstacle that you kind of were better for, you know, you learned a lesson from any stories come to mind. One absolutely comes to mind. After we sold the company in 2011, we were integrated with a division of Xerox and I have to tell you, professionally, it was the hardest year of my of my life. Not just professionally, I would just say in general, it was the hardest year of my life because here you spent so much time cultivating a business, and now there's other leaders in the new business that say, "Well, you know, you're great, but you know, we know what we're doing, right?" right? And so they never wanted to listen. Like it's just like, come on, like this is how you treat the customers, and this is what you're gonna do, and this is. And so you know, the whole time I'm like, I'm the guy. Like I'm the guy with all the knowledge. You want to tap into me? And I was so proud. I had my ego was big, right? Sure. And but they didn't want to hear anything uh, from me, right? They they okay. bought the business. They wanted to they wanted to take it in their direction. They knew and better or something. They knew, or, but everybody knows better, okay, right? Okay. Anytime you buy a business, of course you know better, <laughs> right? Um, and it was so painful for me. It was such like a demoralizing experience. And then, you know, and it was depressing, quite frankly. And, and over a period of time, I realized I was so unhappy at the, at the job that I was in. Um, and then I realized, like, I'm trying to control too much. The reality is 
They do own the business. They can do whatever they want to do with it. I can offer my assistance, but more importantly, I should really be focused on controlling what I'm capable of controlling. And so I went through the, the, ne- the following year doing a total attitude adjustment. And I checked my ego at the door. Okay. I focused on the team and what I knew I could control and affect. And I went back to inputs. I kept on just driving inputs and working with my team and really affecting there and listening to my team and trying to understand their needs and, and trying to work together within a little family unit that I was responsible for leading. And it turned out to be the most fundamental, valuable year of my life because I, I soon realized that my problems were all me. Really? My challenges were all me. It was all my attitude that needed a real adjustment. And when I made the commitment to change my attitude, that's when the rest uh, unlocked. And in a, in a, you know, the, that year we had a phenomenal, we had a banner year, and we had another banner year the following year, and I was at, offered the second in command there at that business. At the time, the division was about 300 people. Um, and I was so grateful for the opportunity. I turned out to love the business that I was working in, and it started with a, 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 a massive attitude a change. And I, when I realized it was all me, it was my f- problem that I needed to address, it, it, it really unlocked. And quite frankly, had I not gone through that experience, I probably wouldn't have been prepared to do the type of role that I'm currently in. So it's unlocked, fortunately, a lot of great positives because I, I recognize how important an attitude really is. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's not the answer I expected. You know, most people talk about, you know, maybe like something that they had is an outside factor. The roof was leaking. Yeah, they needed to overcome something that was happening to them, but it was you. I had to overcome myself. Yeah, and it's, it's I don't know, it takes a lot of uh, courage to admit that, but also it takes a lot of effort to kind of be introspective a little a little bit too do you know what i mean was it just uh just conscious effort i have been doing um i would encourage your listeners to do this i've been doing this for a number of years but um maybe once a year if i have like private time or i feel like it's just time i will kind of sequester myself and kind of go through a personal mission statement and, and almost like strategic planning just for me the things that i find fulfilling and you know so to me i'll actually like hear my values and this is what i find and drive fulfillment from a personal level and then i almost self-grade where i'm at in each one of those strategic pillars that offer to my happiness and fulfillment and and so i do that often and often meaning you know maybe once a year sure and i'll just go to a hotel and just go get a you know whatever and just kind of disappear and go to a nice dinner by myself and and, and really kind of reflect and, and it's helped because I was looking at a, a lot of portions of my life going, I'm not fulfilled, and here's where I really need to make some changes. And I think it was really very closely aligned with it when I started making an attitude adjustment. Yeah. came very shortly after kind of doing a personal reflection um, and, and decided to make some real changes. Um, I would absolutely encourage talking to mentors and people that believe in you and, and, and know who you are, understand your personality, understand those things. But self-awareness is, is a pretty important thing. And, and sometimes if you don't have the answers, that it's really incumbent on you to go ask for help. People think that not asking for help is a sign of courage. They, they don't. The more vulnerable you are and the more you're willing to really ask for help and not be the 
holder of all information. Sure. I think those are the courageous people. Those are the people that personally I gravitate to the most. Yeah, you know, it's just it's uh, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of good information, and and like I, said, I appreciate the honesty is kind of what I'm getting at because you're gonna have people out there listening who kind of probably need to do that, but they don't actually take the time to do it. So whether it's once a year around the holidays, your week off, you know, maybe give it a shot too. Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Why? Yeah, why wait till tomorrow? Maybe well, today. Yeah. 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 Well, Bill, you want to kick it on over to the uh, maybe current business, looking yeah. ahead? Anything else in the works, anything uh, different than that, that that's going on? And where do you see it going in the future? I Well, a couple things. Yeah, we're really, we're, you know, we're obviously stoked about, you know, kicking off year three. Um, you know, this year, I would say I've got four primary things that I'm really focused on. Um, obviously, my family and work. Uh, come first you know my my kids and my my professional life are really the two most important things I want to prioritize this year I think just for listeners it's really important to kind of balance out your uh, your personal health and needs and and things like that because without that you really don't have a whole bunch of other stuff to worry and then also your personal life right I mean you know be it you know your friends family how you integrate with the relationships you want to nurture etc um so for me that's it's kind of where I'm thinking this year is going to go uh 43 north uh, you know, we've got an exciting year trying to nurture through our Y2 winners and really helping them optimize their business, uh, really planning on bringing in a whole new class of young businesses that are going to be here in our incubator come uh, January of 2017. So there's a lot of things that we've changed about 43 North and our, and our it's a lot of process improvement things that are going to require real time and talent and, and, and thought to make sure that we execute it properly. Um, but as I said before, a lot of the outputs will reveal themselves. We're still very much a startup. We know that we want great exits. We know we want businesses to be able to create jobs and, and wealth, and we want to do it in an inclusive way, meaning we want to teach students and we want to extend opportunities on both sides of Main Street, not just one. Right. Um, we want the culture of entrepreneurism to touch all people that care. Right, and so we're going to do our part to make sure that that permeates this community for sure. Um, and, and so those are the things that we're going to be working on, uh, uh, particularly this year in the future. I think the future is going to kind of reveal itself. You know, I mean, um, I'm not really a hundred percent concerned about you know the direction. Like you know, five years we're going to be our own venture capital company, and and we're. I mean, we have a couple of um, strategic. Uh, ideas that we're currently planning on uh, that we're evaluating being like getting into our own self-sustainable business to fund operations okay. and the awards um, you know we're working on things like that just having kind of you know lines in the sea to see you know what things might take but frankly if we help these companies accelerate and optimize uh, their exits will be our success or their job creation or their business success will be our success and from there, you will start seeing uh, some uh, proliferation in our community, which is going to be super exciting. So right now, we need to stay really focused on on, on inputs. Yeah, you know, look at, looking ahead, it sounds so cool just to kind of picture what five years from now could look like. 43 North could be, like you said, self-sustaining. You have these successful companies from year one, year two, year three that all of a sudden are global names and, and people know about them. And, right. and you're a part of that. But you're still perpetuating brand new startups as well and brand new companies and still helping more people. So, you know, even though the vision down the line is is, is still somewhat of a question mark, it's super, super interesting to kind of 
keep keep up with you guys and and, and see what like, you're, I, like see what I, you're I could see to. it anywhere from being like our own startup show. Uh, I truthfully like it like its own. Oh, what a cool idea show, too! Yeah, like a, like a true. You know, like, what can you imagine the process of the voice that ultimately lands in that winner, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a show. Um, so we've even considered, do we want to turn this into, you know, like reality television, but based on real economic development principles um, and, and, and branding out these companies and accelerating these companies? I could see that. I could see turning this, more, you know, like 43 North week in October, becoming very festival-oriented, uh, not unlike South by Southwest, I could see being really an investment clearinghouse, right? So uh, the the place where employees um, or people looking for work and new companies coming in, that we become kind of the central broker, basically. Not broker, but, you know, the central house where you can find resources, great companies to invest in, great employees or great resources to come work for your businesses. So I could see that going in that direction. Um, But right now... It's like we need the successes first. We need to create sustainable economic uh, development here in the startup community in Western New York to contribute to the wider ecosystem and be an example to people that this is possible. And, and so that's why we're so focused on making sure that we're doing the primary uh, inputs to make sure that we have those options down the road. Yeah, they're cool. Like you said, they're cool options, but you got to take care of, you know, first take things care first. Of first things first. Yeah. Well, you know, we always like to end with the advice portion, the final thoughts. I know you've been traveling a lot, flying all over, meeting people. Yeah. You know, what comes to mind? Anything? Um, the integrity counts. Your integrity counts. I would, you know, I, I think you asked a really great question. And I, 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 I plan on stealing that, you know, that By all question. means. Um, you know, I, I think you got to know yourself well enough so that you can articulate the value. And so it's worth just peeling back a little bit of time and being reflective and self-aware to know what your core values are. I know mine. And, you know, and, and I wish a lot of people just the peace and joy of going through the experiences of being an entrepreneur that I've been able to have and, and you guys have been able to have um, and, and come at it with a uh, you know, with a lot of integrity and understand that uh, ultimately it's going to be you facing you in the mirror and uh, you got to do what's right, uh, you know, uh, to, to make sure that you can uh, continue to, to, to see yourself in that positive way. So I wish everybody the best of luck doing it, man. It's been a great gig. So I, I had no regrets, a lot yeah. of learning lessons, but no regrets. Well, it's a pleasure sitting down with you today. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, best of luck yeah. with all the future awesome endeavors, too. Yeah, and I can't wait. For anybody interested in checking out 43 North, you know, I know you guys are on Facebook. Uh, if you want to follow John, I know you're probably personally on Twitter, if that's sure. cool. You oh, know, yeah. they could uh, kind of see what At you're JT up to. Gav. You got it. This has been a fantastic, kind of a unique episode of Guys Telling Stories. As always, you can subscribe to the show. Head on over to guystellingstories.com. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. All right, thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, what a cool episode. Not bad. You were right. There is a ping pong table. There is. Did you know that ahead of time? Well, you know what I found out uh, while we were waiting uh, before we set up that they do ping pong competitions. John's uh, uh, at least right now he's number two okay. <laughs> for the for the whole group here. 
Uh, so I'm not going against him. It's not a lot of people walking around with their Google Glass on. I thought no. I thought they were all going to have that. No Google Glass? Google Glasses or whatever that they put them on. And oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't see any. I didn't yeah. see any. I didn't see any. Everyone's hard at work. That's why. bringing mine. <laughs> yeah, take them off. You look funny. <laughs> no, well, our special announcement is we are winding down. So thanks for uh, sticking with us all the way to the end. We are winding down season one. And what we are looking for you to do is to nominate a future guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody, anybody. I mean, you've seen what we've done. We, we um, entrepreneurs, businessmen, singers, performers, entertainers, behind the scenes, clowns, <laughs> uh, behind the scenes folks, people who you think are number one, interesting to talk to, number two, tell good stories. Mm-hmm. And we, for season two, we're going to probably stick to maybe the same number of guests, 10, and they can okay. be local, they can be near and far. We have more than 10. We already have a few lined up, so yeah. we're going to see who returns our uh, calls, our emails, and, and you know try to line them up. So what we're looking for you to do is head to our website, guystellingstories.com. We set up a little form, click the nominate button, and basically in like 100 words or less, just tell us why you think uh, we should you know try to get an interview with somebody that you've met in your, your walk of life. Yeah. Am I allowed to nominate people? You can nominate somebody. I can nominate somebody. You could yeah. just tell me, too, so that might be easier. <laughs> Okay, maybe I'll shoot you a text. Yeah, but listeners near and far, you know, head to our website, guystellingstories.com, click the nominate button, and, you know, we've all met that person who goes, hey, he would be a cool person for you guys to talk to. Well, just tell us about them. Include their social media links so we can kind of look them up, and we're going to try to do everything, Um, go record in person. Bill might take another road trip. I like road trips. I know you do. Road trip. Yep. Might do another road trip, and we're going to try to maybe work out the technology to do some long-distance recording with somebody maybe on the other side of the country, other side of the planet. World. Yeah. Yeah. I don't speak Chinese. Well, you know what? We'll get a translator for you. Google Translate. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So you can look something up with your glasses. glasses, yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, that was our special announcement. We're winding down season one, but season two is right around the corner. So please, again, head to our website, nominate a future guest, and we'll see what we can do about getting on the show. We're not done yet season one either, so don't think you're off the hook. There's still still a little something left. Yeah, we got a little special something planned, so tune in next week or or just, you know, click ahead to the next episode. So... Uh, Yeah, please do. And uh, thanks for listening to uh, John Gavigan's episode.